This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to another edition of trying to figure out what's going on in the Big Ten Conference. Also, the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Nate Klaus says over the next hour, we are going to try to at least make some sense of what we know, which changes literally by the minute. Um, but I'll tell you what, guys, um, if you would have told me three, four months ago, we'd be dealing with governors, senators, and now presidents, uh, not university presidents, but the president, Donald Trump, um, lobbying to play Big Ten football, uh, I, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, th- this has really taken an interesting turn this week and you just don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I look at what's going on now. Obviously the push is now for October 10th. I mean, this is kind of the last charge that, you know, the Ohio States and these people are making to try to salvage this. Let's play eight games, nine games, start on October 10th and be a part of it. Um, But, you know, will, will the politics on the presidential side of the universities that voted no already, can they actually get the support to even get this model on the table, that remains the biggest unknown. Yeah, especially when, you know, something like that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but needs 60% of the nine votes, nine votes of the 14. So, uh, you know, that obviously would require a pretty significant shift in the way that uh, that original 11 to three supposed vote uh, went. So a lot of work to be done in that regard. But uh, you know, it, it's as crazy as this whole thing has been, uh, you know, it, at least it's providing some sort of hope that uh, at some point or another, there will be football in 2020. Whereas even a few weeks ago, uh, it seemed like we were destined to have a long, cold, dark winter until January when uh, at the earliest we could see Big Ten football again. So whether it's October or uh, I don't know the the post Thanksgiving window is another one that's being heavily looked at. Uh, it seems like there's more momentum than in a long time that we will have football in the fall. Now it's just a matter of when they play, how many games and all that good stuff. Yeah. If anything, I think this is all put a lot of pressure on those people to, uh, to maybe come to the table with a little bit more of an open mind or, um, you know, I think some of them were exposed a little bit when the, with, uh, the, the Nebraska players lawsuit where they came out and said that the vote was 11 to three, uh, cause prior to that, because there was some dispute whether or not there was actually a vote. Uh, and I think it was, uh, at least from my perspective, the people who were, you know, kind of claiming there wasn't a real vote, uh, were people who probably voted against having a season and didn't want anyone to know about it. Uh, but I, I think that this pressure, you know, the, having the actual president of the United States, uh, you know, talk with the commissioner, um, you know, if anything, I think it's it's leaning on him a little bit more to, to try and get something done here. Well, and then just the dynamics of the league, how you don't really hear from Kevin Warren directly. And, in, in, you know, it's been noted that they've hired kind of a crisis control PR firm. And it's become more and more obvious, like on Tuesday when the Dan Patrick, the coach report, the Trump stuff came out about playing October 10th. You didn't hear from Kevin Warren, but. Clearly, somebody and most people think it's uh, who they've hired as their crisis control um, person. I mean, her name is Carrie Cecil, I believe is her name. Um, 
immediately about three or four of the same national guys all get the same information, the same. I mean, it's kind of a war right now of the people that want to play, which are the coaches, the ADs, and the fans, and then the people that don't want to play, which is the commissioner, Kevin Warren, and four or five of these national soldiers that go to war for him and literally take on every college football fan base. Um, it's just been to the point where some of these guys are turning off their comments on tweets, and I did, which I didn't know you could do. Yeah, um, new feature. <laughs> I don't know if I'll try that one out. Hopefully, um, you won't ever need to. That's, it says a lot about what you're tweeting if you need to do something like that. We should have done that for the Big 12 title game or Big 10 title game against Wisconsin. Turn off all tweet comments yes. on stories. But. Yeah, I could have used that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it shows that there's clearly agendas being pushed on all sides. And, I mean, that's no secret, but it is more apparent that ever, than ever with examples like that where – uh, you know, not only is it within the conference and the coaches and the athletic directors and the presidents, but, you know, you have external factors like the, the handful of reporters that are getting spood fed this information from the new PR firm from the Big Ten uh, to counter anything that would suggest that the Big Ten is potentially going to backtrack on its initial decision to postpone to 2021. So it's really, really unfortunate that this is what it is right now. It's a total disaster and some embarrassment for the conference. And really it kind of just paints a negative light of in sports in general. The fact that uh, agendas influence decisions of this magnitude to such a degree that these types of lengths are being taken. It's, it's sad, uh, but you know, it's kind of just the reality of what, what, it's sports, our country right what now. sports and politics and our world are in 2020. Yeah. I, I, I wish that Jim Delaney was still around to be honest yeah, with you. No doubt. I mean, um, what Kevin Warren, even though I know he, he didn't vote um, directly, but, but he steered the vote. Exactly. I, I mean, what he's done to the conference and, and how he's tainted the reputation of the Big Ten is, is inexcusable. And how he's not come forth with anything to say, no, no re- relevant information. Um, you know, when the President of the United States can make a comment about the phone call they had, but Kevin Warren doesn't, I mean, that just, mm-hmm. that just doesn't sit well with me. And, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. If you, I, I don't know, I just I'm very frustrated by the lack of communication from the commissioner, um, who who has the answers but has basically refused to to come forth with any of them, other than insulated interviews that are done by his four or five yeah. national soldiers, and that's what I'm going to call them because that's what they are. I mean, these guys are not reporting on it objectively; they're reporting it on the way they want it to go. Yeah, and you see that when uh, you know the the Nebraska parent lawsuit came out the player lawsuit came out and no one they, touches it well and if they do they responded with like quote tweet sigh so annoyed yeah like oh boy here we go like that type of thing basically dismissing the whole point of it uh even without kind of examining what the intent actually was and again it's about agendas and everybody you know, it's it's not just you know those four or five reporters do there are other people that are clearly pushing uh narratives in both directions but again my my overall takeaway of this is uh, it's really it just sucks that we are at this point in our country and that even sports, which were supposed to be the getaway from all of this nonsense, has now been because of the political value these states hold right yeah, now, because it has been fully infested with agenda and politics. Uh, it's, I don't even know what more to say about it. It's just um, you know, you're sitting here and you're, you're kind of held hostage by it. And no matter how hard you want to try and keep 
the politics and everything out of it. You can't. I mean, yeah, here we are. Um, and and it's, uh, it's extremely unfortunate. And, Bo, by the way, uh, in doing so, you've got, uh, you know, you're holding basically all these student athletes hostage, not knowing. I mean, one week it's, okay, well, be prepared to possibly, quote, unquote, possibly play in the spring. And then the next week it's, well, we're going to be ready to go by maybe even October 10th. And then, I mean, it's just all over the board. It's, it's really sad. What bothers me are all the protocols, all the things that they put in place starting on June 1 when the official workouts resumed in weight rooms and, and things like that. All of that kind of went to hell in a handbasket because they sent the kids away for a week or two. And it's like you have to like, I mean, you kind of lose control from what I hear of who's been where, who's been around, who you got to retest everybody. Naturally, you're going to get some positives that pop up uh, because the young 20s and in high teens are, are the people that are getting it right now. Just the way socially they interact and the things they do. So, you know, even if say this October 10th plan would come to fruition, you know, there's a lot of work that would have to get done um, to kind of get your protocols back into place. That's why I'm hesitant to uh, put a lot of faith in that October 10th start date, just because I just don't know logistically if the Big Ten can be able to get its ducks in a row and get all 14 schools in line with what they need to do to make it happen. Uh, I've very little faith in uh, their ability to manage something like that. And so hopefully they prove me wrong, but right now I am far from optimistic. And so that's why I lean more towards if we're going to have Thanksgiving, maybe yes, exactly that. I mean, cause college basketball, and we'll talk about this later is looking for that, that same window to start up. So it would make sense that, you know, if basketball can do it, football can do it. So hopefully, you know, that if nothing else is the, the latest it goes and we have football, you know, but, post Thanksgiving, which is certainly better than some JV season in January. Yeah, that that's the thing about it. I mean, you've got Trump who said that things are on the one yard line, but, but you know, you know, for sure that, um, you know, if it's on the one yard line, you've got 99 more yards to go, not not just, a, um, you know, a, a dive over the pile like to score. Years. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think right now, if you want to go October 10th, if there's people holding up that process, just allow them to sit the season out. You know, if it's a handful of schools, you know, that don't want to do it and they're holding everyone else up, just allow them to, to go ahead and sit it out. I just don't think the Big Ten would ever do that. They yeah, pride themselves so much on being a unified league and everybody's on the same page, one direction, to have schools split off and start doing their own thing. Yeah. You saw when Nebraska tried to do that. You know, they'll kick you out of the league for that. Well, and it's going to take Ohio State, you know, coming out and swinging their sword and, and, and doing that. I mean – if they step out and say, the hell with you, Kevin Warren, the hell with the politics you've brought into this mess, we're going to play football. If you want to kick Ohio State out of the Big Ten, we could be an independent just like Notre Dame, and we could make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And somebody tell me how I'm wrong there. Because if Ohio State just said, hey, screw it, if you want to, we'll we'll dare you, Big Ten, to kick us out. Then Nebraska follows. Then somebody else follows. I mean, that's, that's a possible. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. But They're the only one with the clout to do something like that at this point. I mean, obviously there's other major institutions in the conference, but Ohio State is a cut above everybody else right now as we speak. And in this current situation, they are the one that has the sword capable of, of doing some damage. All right, we'll continue this discussion. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we're trying to figure out what's going on in the Big Ten as everybody in the country is trying to figure that out. And 
kind of what's next. And, you know, the teams in the Big Ten, guys, they still remain in what's called the 12-hour mode, um, which they're allowed five in the weight room, five of helmets only or simulated practices with no contact, and then two in the film room. Um, now, SEC, Big 12, ACC, they're allowed 20. Um, so right now, just on that alone, the Big Ten's at a disadvantage. Um, so I, I think coaches want clarity. You know, when can we go back to 20 hours? And then what do you do with your team now? I mean, so there's so many unknowns, and we don't know when you're going to play. It's really hard because if you play, let's just say, the December 29th or January plan, all of a sudden then October becomes a version of spring practice. But if you play Thanksgiving, then October really is not going to be like a spring practice in that sense where you're, you're going to play, you know, 15 spring practices in a scrimmage or two. Um, so it's so important here that they get the plan out. And obviously October 10th, if that, that's the plan, they, they've got to yeah. know that here. Within the next week or two. I, I mean, I, I think next Wednesday is probably like the cutoff on that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if you can go much further. We're about forty days away from that at this point. And it seems like most programs agree that they need, you know, minimum four weeks to ideally like six weeks to be ready to play. Well, fall camp's normally four. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you're basically talking about some programs that aren't doing anything. So I mean, well, Nebraska could probably pick up and be ready faster than anybody. Other schools in the league might not be able to do that. So I think probably consensus uh, around the league would be at least a month to, to get ready. And so uh, kind of add that into your equation of how quickly they can get started. Yeah, I agree. If they're going to do October, they better announce something within the week if they're going to have any chance of having enough time to get that together. Yeah, it would have to be next week at the very, very latest. Um, and, and probably with a heads up, hey, um, you know, get, get your get your ducks in a row here. Uh, get a get a practice schedule put together or whatever. Um, be, be ready to hit the ground running because this could jump off. You know, here in the next next few days or whatever. So, yeah, it's it, it's it's going to be interesting to see. You know, if they're organized enough to do that, which programs would be able to to kind of hit the ground running too? If if in fact this this all does c come together, but um, again, I'm not. I'm not overly optimistic at this point, or, or I should say I'm not holding my breath. I'm, I'm far beyond <laughs> kind of holding out hope for anything. I'm just kind of riding, the, riding the, the, the wave right now. And, you know, you had to expect this. Who in their right mind would have thought back in August when this decision was made, early August, that everyone was just going to sit back and be like, yeah, we're just going to accept this as we watch high school football. I mean, we went to five, our staff went to five games on Thursday and Friday. And as we watch the SEC in the Big 12 and the ACC practice and they recruit and they badmouth the Big 10 um, and it hurts them in recruiting right now because of this decision, who thought that everyone would just sit back and be like, you know what, Kevin Warren, you made the right call and we support the call and we're not going to play. We, we totally understand where you're I mean, who thought that any, I mean, people were just going to back down. And if the Big 10 or these national writers thought that, they really don't have a touch of reality. When you have other Division One universities within states of your member schools playing college football hours away. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I mean, Two that, hours away is Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, I mean, look, look at Ohio right now. They're playing high school, they're playing college, and they're playing NFL. But Ohio State, the best team in the state, can't play football. I mean, give me a break. That, that's, that shows everything about how 
uh, ridiculous this whole situation is that somehow the Big Ten knows something and they're like viewing this so differently than every other football league within the state of Ohio that, you know, for some reason. What about Notre Dame? And they play in Indiana. Iowa, Iowa Notre State. Dame announced they're having fans yeah. in the stands. Pittsburgh is playing in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, go, go around the list. It's It just kind of, you know, highlights just how far off every, the Big Ten is from everybody else, obviously besides the Pac-12, and how they're viewing the ability to put together a fall football season. The Big Ten thinks there's absolutely no way, or at least said there was no way, uh, to do it safely. Uh, everybody else said, hmm, let's think about it for a little bit, and here they are getting ready to not only play, play within states of Big Ten schools and have, in some cases, fans attending the game. It's it's just stupid. Well, at least the everyone else said, hey, well, let, let's give it a go. Let's at least try. Um, and, and the Big Ten didn't even say, it, let's at least try. Here, um, here's the financial impact uh, that, that this decision could, could have. Um, maybe we should at least try to, to see if we can make this happen instead of, um, you know, face all these, all these uh, sports potentially getting cut and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, the, these, these cities and these towns being hurt so badly uh, by this decision. Uh, you know the the lack of effort that is is just one piece of all this that that's uh, really bugging me. And Bill Moose on Big Red Wrap Up here on Tuesday night, he made a real interesting comment. He goes, "If we ever get to this point again where we're talking about playing again, we made a huge mistake the first time by not having everybody talking together." Kevin Warren instead kept the medical people, he kept the ads, he kept the coaches. And then he kept the presidents and the chancellors all separate. And Kevin Warren was kind of the messenger that just went from group to group to group. And we don't know, you know, and and that's where Mike Flood and what's going on with the Nebraska players, they're trying to get some transparency because what did Kevin Warren share and how did he share that that ultimately influenced the presidential vote? And that's what, you know, the Big Ten's like acting like giving these like basic vague uh, answers to wanting more information and saying, all right, there's your answers. Now the issue is settled. It, it just kind of just digs them further into this hole where, no, you're not providing any more transparency. Basically, all you're sharing is thing that should have been shared immediately right out of the gates without even asking for it because it is such elementary information. Uh, and the fact that they have to legally pry that out of the Big Ten's hands, it's, uh, I mean, it's just mind-boggling, or as the RSS like say, mind-boggling, mind-boggling. Uh, that this, this is what our conference has come to, that players have to sue the league in order to get just a, an answer of what the vote count was for a decision, a billion-dollar decision to cancel or postpone college football. Yeah, I mean... It- that that's right there tells you all you need to know that there's some agendas or there's they're hiding something they don't want you to to know about or or they don't want to be fully transparent with um you know it just (laughs) none of it makes sense and i know we we are all kind of just talking ourselves in circles here but um (laughs) it's just it's just completely mind-bottling robin um (laughs) that we're that we're even in this position and you were talking about the big 10 who is has got as much or more money than anybody is as powerful as any conference uh, but yet it's been made into a big national joke and that also keep in mind that the husker players are still continuing their lawsuit um against the league and the the conference filed their 23 page brief um and statement to the court on monday nebraska filed one back uh this thing is now in the hands of judge susan foster 
Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see uh, where all this goes um, in, in the courtroom next for Nebraska. But, I mean, who would have thought that Nebraska would have the Big Ten in court on like an hour's notice? I mean, that, I, I have never seen anything like that where at 1 o'clock the brief for the case was filed and by 3 the high-powered Big Ten attorney had to drop what he was doing to be on a Zoom mm-hmm. courtroom hearing, and he was not happy. No, um, nor was the you, Big Ten. He was clearly uh, underprepared for that whole deal, too. He seemed a little flustered that uh, he was trying to throw together this argument, whereas the uh, the player side was uh, a lot to, more ready for that that drop of the hat hearing. Uh, and Sean, I'll definitely say that those mass media law classes that you took back at uh, Nebraska John J Bender, School baby. have definitely paid off with your coverage of all this. So, uh, <laughs> who would have thought that uh, you know we'd be covering court hearings uh, instead of getting ready for you know <laughs> position battles and uh, Purdue previews and all that good stuff? I was on a jury duty for two weeks last June, and that actually kind of—I mean—you just learn a lot more about that system. You're the Nebraska media like legal expert at this point. <laughs> Once again, thanks to John Bender, our, our uh, esteemed mass law professor. I think he's still at the university. Ran yeah. into him once at Big Red Kino on 84th and Highway 2 having dinner one night. Nice. Yeah, he was a good dude. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk basketball for a segment. Um, Robin's got more information on the plan that basketball is looking at. Um, looks like possibly Thanksgiving. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. we talk some basketball here because there's still a lot going on there with that. And it's a little bit more controlled because of the leadership structure. Uh, football is, you know, divided up by Power 5 leagues. Essentially, the five commissioners make the rules, the scheduling, the playoff not the NCAA. Basketball, as we know, is owned and operated by the NCAA as far as the postseason goes, and they have a lot more authority. So this process, Robin, as you look at what's gone on with basketball, um, it's been a little bit more civil. And, and, you know, I think it's pretty clear they're going to be playing maybe as early as Thanksgiving. Yeah, and that's, again, who would have thought that we'd be looking towards the NCAA as the beacon of stability uh, to have a season go on as planned, or at least as close to as possible, but here we are. So that's kind of the good news for for basketball's sake is – uh, the fact that the NCAA has control of their championships in the NCAA tournament uh, makes them a completely different situation than the Wild West that is college football. So as a result, uh, there's kind of a, a unified plan for everyone amongst all conferences, uh, high, mid, low majors going forward. And right now, um, the reports that came out, uh, I guess, earlier this week were that the NCAA Oversight Committee, which is kind of handling all this, they're going to recommend a November 25th start date for men's and women's basketball. And the D1 Council is going to vote on that recommendation on September 16th. So we should probably have an answer here about uh, when the college basketball season will be set to start uh, within the next you know couple weeks here. So, so that's good news. And it's interesting, though, that that's kind of been the movement just because uh, you know, maybe a week or two ago, you know, Bill Moose was, was on the radio and he said that, you know, he was looking at a likely January start for college basketball with maybe a conference only schedule. So it sounds like there's still maybe some differing theories on that, but, um, 
that's going to go to vote uh, here in, in a couple weeks on the 16th. And if that passes, then uh, everyone will start on the 25th and they will be able to capitalize on that post-Thanksgiving, pre-New Year's window where there will be no classes in session. Uh, and then that's when you get into the whole discussion about, you know, different bubble scenarios uh, around the country. And that that's <laughs> there's been a lot of theories on that as well. Now, yeah, the bubble thing is what intrigues me, Robin, because what is your understanding? Could it be eight teams traveling to one city and you just kind of do a NBA-ish type schedule or more than eight teams with, with you know, bringing them in and out and playing all day, kind of what the, like the NBA is doing right now? Yeah, I mean, there's been all sorts of theories thrown out there. Uh, I don't know if you can do much more than that. I've also seen things where, you know, they'll handpick 25 to 30 teams and basically say you are going to be able to play in this bubble. Everybody else is conference-only schedule. And that, that gets a little dicey, I think, in just determining those teams. But, uh, I mean, there's been all sorts of different, uh, you know, ideas that have been tossed out there. That's where the next step is going to be. Once they decide when they're going to start, then the conversation shifts to how they're going to play. And I do know that there's been legitimate conversations about bubbles, uh, you know, and there's a lot of different ways you can make it happen. Uh, I think there's a lot of coaches that are optimistic about bubbles going off about the, the as smooth as you could possibly have right now. Uh, and with basketball, it's so much more logistically feasible to be able to handle, you know, smaller rosters and, uh, you know, just being able to adjust, especially when those guys don't have to go to classes in person or anything like that. So, uh, we'll see kind of what that next step leads to, but, um, I know that there's a lot of conversations and one of the most interesting one I heard of was pairing a couple members of a couple conferences together. So hypothetically, you know, we got some teams from the big 10, some teams from the big East, playing at a neutral site, and then you're able to not only knock out some non-conference games, but take a chunk out of your league schedule as well to give yourself more uh, just calendar flexibility come the start of the new year so you're not having to pack 20 games into that normal amount of time. My question is how will these television networks be satisfied and made whole when you're kind of cross-pollinating conferences? And, you know, the Big East and the Big Ten are both with Fox, but there's a CBS element to the Big Ten there's a Big Ten network element to the Big Ten. The Big East has CBS Sports. Mm-hmm. Um, they even sometimes play on FS, FS1s on both leagues. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions on how they figure out the the revenue and the TV side of it because of these contracts. Well, I would imagine it would be a lot like you know some of the, the football theories that have been thrown out there where uh, within those bubbles they would be staggered in a way that uh, the, no games would ever overlap. And so you could – in theory, I guess, you know, alternate, you know, who gets to, uh, you know, broadcast which game and maybe have like a, a draft or a lottery for those networks like they do with football games each week and, uh, you know, be able to you know have a priority list of games that you want to televise. So, I mean, I'm, that's a way down the road for, you know, the, the things they need to figure out. First and foremost, you know, let's find a start date go from there and see just how realistic this bubble situation actually is. You're listening here to the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the bubble. The way it works this year, Robin, is UNL's final week, it starts on a weekend. I think it runs Saturday, Sunday, and it ends the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Um, so you'll have to take final exams over the weekend in some cases um, I think dead week has kind of been morphed into like finals week yeah. and dead week. It's like a two week finals week now. And they, they've just, I mean, it's a great, I mean, if you're a student, I mean, you, it's a great semester in that sense that 
you're done at a very, very early. And, and that's where the sports has to take advantage of it. If, if you're going to try to play, you know, they're gift wrapping you a two month period. And, you know, who knows you know, if, if they could be virtual or remote at the beginning in January. We just don't yeah. know where things are going to be in January at that point. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to at this point. Uh, and so, I mean, that kind of eliminates that fine line you have to walk with the student aspect of student athletes, when you can do everything remotely and, you know, block off a few hours of the day for kids to you know, sit on their laptops and do their homework. That's a lot easier than having to worry about getting kids to class in person and mingling with uh, the rest of the student population and, and all the risks that go along with that. I mean, this is like the closest thing you could possibly have to an NBA NHL bubble scenario that colleges could actually pull off without uh, kind of crossing the bounds from amateurism to professionalism. Let me ask you this though. Have you, I know you're a basketball fan cause you, you spend a lot of time watching it, but have you gotten into the NBA like a little bit? I just watched the game seven, Utah, Denver game. Uh, that's usually how I am normally with the NBA. I don't start watching until the, the real season begins with the playoffs. Cause I mean, that's a two or three month venture in itself. So, uh, yeah, playoffs, I'm, I'm slowly starting to get into it. It's different though. Uh, I mean, it's weird. You got like the virtual screens of fans like zooming in and, uh, it doesn't have that same juice that it does with a packed arena and that's to be expected, but considering the circumstances, it's pretty good. I mean, the scoring has been outrageous. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, there's re- the shooting's been better. Yeah, and I think a lot of people say it's you know you're shooting on the same rims all the time, and so there's like depth perception stuff. Anyway, that's a whole. Well, and the players aren't going out at night. Exactly. I mean, at least they're. Well, no, yeah. was, <laughs> they're not leaving the bubble they, unless unless they're getting chicken wings. I talked to our friend <laughs> Shelly, um, and Williams. she was trying to do a. St- evidently, there are some players that have figured out ways to sneak out of the bubble. I'm and, sure. And ESPN was trying to do it, but it never worked out. Yeah, I mean. That will be in the 30 for 30. Exactly. Once, once we can look back and just laugh about all this. But uh, for what for given the circumstances, the NBA has done an excellent job. And obviously NHL, too. I mean, uh, it's a weird way to have sports, but they're doing it. And they're showing that it can be done successfully, when, especially when you're able to control all the elements. And that's the biggest beacon of hope for colleges, especially during that window when you don't necessarily have to have these students be full-time students. And one thing, Robin, as we wrap up, that will be nice if they play Thanksgiving is usually in early December, everybody has that week-long shutdown for finals week. There won't be that in this case. So you'll get a lot more. December basketball used to be only a few games a month sometimes for per school. You'll get a lot more December games than I would imagine uh, because final exams are not going to you know prevent games. There's always that one week where there's like no games on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's during finals week. And there's like a random like Houston LSU game on. I mean, that's there's like no games on. And after to tell finals are done because every university is almost in the same calendar. But I think this year, December will be a lot better. I would hope. Yeah. And especially if they're going to try to uh, put power conferences together or, you know, play some, some conference games. Uh, I mean, you're talking about some, some marquee matchups that are going to be going on much earlier than they earlier than they otherwise would. Okay. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker online show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show, as Robin Washett would like to be at a beach right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. We're taking your questions now in the mailbag. Uh, First question here in the mailbag is a recruiting question. Nate, do you think with both Nebraska, Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State, 
being so open about wanting to play football, do you think that's going to help them on the recruiting front more that they were the institutions that fought with their swords and said, no, 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 we're going to keep trying to fight and play football where the others have been much quieter um, across the conference? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to hurt them as bad. I don't know if it's going to help them, though. Um, I think the entire Big Ten is going to take a little bit of a recruiting hit from this this whole disaster, uh, especially if they don't play at all this this fall. Um, but at least they are going to be able to to say that they were they were fighting for the right to play. They were fighting for their players and and so on and so forth. And and in Nebraska, to to credit Nebraska and and Ohio State, I mean they've been pretty outspoken about it. And so um, you know I, I do think that they they'll be able to kind of beat that drum a little bit. But I don't know that you could possibly say that it's going to help them at all. Okay, so it doesn't help. But flip that. Look at like Minnesota, who has been as public as anyone about not wanting to play and how they fully support postponing and basically being the face of the shut it down movement. Will that negatively impact them on the recruiting front, you think? That I, I do believe will uh, negatively impact them more than than everybody else. Again, no one is benefiting from this deal, um, but there are going to be schools that come out of it a little bit better than others. And I think Nebraska, Ohio State could be too. And a school like Minnesota is going to be hurt a little bit more than others because of how outspoken they have been about not playing. Have you noticed them on the trail much, Nate? Have they had a presence? So they've lost a couple commitments from Georgia, from SEC country. Um, and and I have not necessarily heard or seen much from them lately. They, they had a huge surge uh, last spring, you know, when – when they were beating that drum that they had a top 10 class and were bragging about, you know, how, how great things were, um, which if you, April is never the time to brag about your recruiting class ranking, FYI, um, because it doesn't matter. the top 100 guys typically wait. Well, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so they have clearly um, kind of fallen off the map. Nebraska now has a higher ranked class than Minnesota does. And, again, they've lost a couple commits from SEC country and it just have not heard a whole lot, you know, of, of uh, traction with, with some big-time guys. But they're – I mean, they've got – they're, they're relatively full, too. They've only got a handful of spots left, so that could be why. All right, another recruiting one, and I'll chime in on this one, too. Obviously, they just got A.J. Rollins. They just got Thomas Fedoni. Um, they're loading up on what's been a year of tight end bodies in the region um, around Omaha and in the state of Nebraska. Another one is James Carney at Norris um, that they're looking closely at. He's currently a 5.63 star committed to Miami of Ohio, which I think we all would agree, Nate, he's not going to end up staying committed to Miami of Ohio. Yeah. So something's going to happen for him. But I think the question, Nate, with James Carney is, could he be an outside linebacker? Could Patrick Payton potentially flip to Penn State like many people think right now? You know, Would that open the door for a guy with potential length and upside like James Carney? Yeah, I, I think there's. I think he's got the potential to do it. Um, now, I, I'd like to. I'd like to see Nebraska, you know, be able to hold on to Patrick Payton because I, I think he's probably the the most nat natural and talented pass rusher that they've gotten in a very very long time. 
But again, I, I, I do think that James Carney, he's got the size, 6'5, 225 pounds. Um, you know, he's got that size and that length that, that Nebraska is looking for at the position. And, um, and he has improved his athleticism dramatically uh, since the end of last year. I mean, he's, he's completely reshaped his body. Um, and, you know, he ran a faster 40 yard dash at the, the Warren Academy showcase in Omaha than, than Thomas Fedoni did. Uh, by three tenths or three one hundredths of a second. So I mean, they were they're like and that was a laser time, right? laser time. So I mean, it's I mean, he's he's got legit measurables, legit speed, um, and and I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to. And I know he's willing too. From talking with him, um, he, if Nebraska offered him and said, "Hey, we need you to be full time water boy," he would do it. Um, and so I mean, he he'll play wherever. And I love that type of attitude from a kid. Okay, this is going to be a blunt question that we got here um, from Ty Neb twenty three. Do you guys hate the Big Ten? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wouldn't say that, but what this has really showed me over the last several weeks, months, is it may not be as much of a cultural fit as we thought, you know, going in uh, when Nebraska joined this league, you know, everyone's like, they belong. It's a cultural fit. And our country has changed a lot in the last 10 years, but Nebraska academically does not align with the other 13 teams. I mean, if you rank them in order one through 14 for academics and admissions, Nebraska would be the 14th by a, a pretty wide margin as far as like admission standards to get in. Um, so I, I think within the league, we're not, or Nebraska's not all that respected um, amongst the peers. I made the joke to somebody, we were the guys that joined the country club and forced them to add bush light to the bar. In a can. In a can. Yeah, the tall, tall, <laughs> tall boy can. Not just a can, the 16 ounces. That's right. right. The, ca the camo tall boy. Yeah, you got that corn beer. Anyway, uh, so there's a lot to like about the Big Ten. It's a great league. I mean, the, the BTN is fantastic. Uh, I mean, just think back when Nebraska had to watch games on pay-per-view. Now they get every game. Oklahoma's on, still doing that. I know. And so, like, think about that. And I also think back to where Nebraska was when the divorce from the Big 12 was, was finally happening and just the animosity towards the league and to Texas and had this Texas influence that was totally changing the entire, uh, you know, just makeup of the conference and just how Nebraska was so desperate to get out of there. So, I mean, you got to kind of remember your history a little bit. Remember just how bad things used to be uh, to where they are now. That being said, I do hate what the conference is doing right now and the actions that have been taken over the past few months, uh, you know, basically from, announcing a schedule to, to going to 10 games to shutting things down to all this secrecy the lawsuits and all this i mean it's been a total disaster but uh you know it's it's the grass isn't always greener especially when you just left a place that was uh, pretty dry to begin with yeah i i totally agree with you robin i i, I don't hate the conference but i hate this whole fiasco mess. this this mess that that has transpired here over the last month or so um, and, and I have grown a discontent for some of the people that, that speak for the Big Ten or that, that some of the more national people that, that cover the conference. You know, that I've never been a Desmond Howard fan, but I, I, now I, I, I can't stand the guy. Well, Dan Wolken, I've never seen you actually get triggered on Twitter like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you've done that to a lot of people. You did a, a shot call to Dan Wolken. Well, you yeah, got ghosted. Did he even give you a... No, he didn't even. Of course not. No. And that was probably one of many shots fired at Dan Wilkin. And then uh, Pat Forty, I'll throw him on the list of yep. uh, enemies to the state of Nebraska with 
his comment that Nebraska was firing people and furloughing people within the university athletic department to stick it to the big 10. It's like, what are you saying right yeah, now? I'm, I had a dream about that. Next time we see Pat 40 that I, I told you like, Hey Robin, get your camera phone out. And I just went up and just like, <laughs> this is for the state of Nebraska and just, just lit him up. And then you tweet, <laughs> this is for frost. And you just hit <laughs> <laughs> I'd win the internet for a day, but I'd probably you know, t- take hey, a pretty big PR blow on go that Go down one. in a blaze of glory, though. <laughs> yeah. be, be <laughs> you would never be forgotten for that. I'd win the internet for one day, oh, maybe okay. two. Uh, yeah, it would last probably about a week. You'd yeah. have some shelf life. There'd be, yeah, there'd there'd be, be, sh- there'd be definite shelf life. There would there. be memes made. And finally, guys, i got to bring up the wingman. In this world of politics we live, it made the city council floor here in Lincoln um, – a unidentified, I don't know what his name was, but he went in there and essentially made a plea that boneless wings should not be called boneless wings anymore because they're not wings, they're chicken breast. And he thinks it's derogatory <laughs> to chicken breasts that they're called wings. And it was going to be damaging to the future, uh, our, our children, the that they were going to grow up thinking that boneless wings should be classified as wing and that bones were being vilified. Uh, guess what? Meat grows on bones, is I think what he said. And so his point was, yeah, they should at least be clarified differently on, on menus, if not removed entirely because of uh, how they're basically uh, ruining the perception of what wings and, and eating meat are. I think he said that they should be rebranded into things like saucy nugs or trash. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does that make the floor? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. But the, the, the good part about it, too, um, you know, was that he kept his composure during the entire time, even though, um, you know, it was it was it was funny. Yeah, when he said boneless wigs, like people started laughing. He's like, "Excuse me, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to talk here." If you haven't seen the video, it's all over. And the TMZ picked it, it up. That is winning the internet, by the way. Yes, no yes, question. Yes, he won the internet in kind of a, and we kind of needed something like so that. So, do you agree with him? I am not a boneless wing guy. No, like they're not wings. If you get the option, when do you? I mean, they're you, chicken nuggets. Now, if you're driving your car, if, if you go to if you go to like Popeyes and you're you got to eat and drive. You can't get the fried chicken pieces because sure. it's hard to handle the bones while yeah. you're driving. But that, that's when you get the tenders. They're not called boneless wings. As he said, no part of a boneless wing comes from a chicken wing. How can you call it a boneless wing? Yeah. The saucy nug. I think he was. He so, was. He was on I'm, point I'm there. A, I would order saucy nugs. Saucy maybe, nugs. Yeah. I mean, boneless wings. I mean, yeah. That's All a right. point. We come back, we'll wrap the show up, uh, talk some high school recruiting. Um, Nate and the team and Robin, we were all out at games. Uh, we'll get some thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Coogler Vision. Nate Klaus, it's been over a year now since you had your laser vision correction surgery uh, with Dr. Lance Kugler in the team and Dr. Mike Stunts, former Husker quarterback. Um, a year in, how's it been? Uh, it's been it's been terrific. I mean, uh, not only is my vision um, better than than 2020, but that's just the convenience of it all. You know, it, it, right now everyone's wearing masks, and, and that's not convenient. Um, and, and I can't imagine having to wear glasses on top of that. And 
um, dealing with your glasses fogging up while you're wearing the mask and going in and out of doors. I mean, it's it's just a, a big pain. But uh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. It was at, at the Friday night football games last week. Didn't have to worry about wearing my glasses to the game to see jersey numbers. Didn't have to worry about uh, wearing the glasses, you know, and, and driving at night or any any of that. And it's all because I went to Kugler Vision and they they mapped out my eyes. Um, they they told me the best you know the best scenario for me. And in under two minutes, I, I uh, had the procedure done. It was so quick and easy. Uh, go to, go to KuglerVision.com right now to uh, to get a little bit more convenience in your life. All right, Nate. Well, high school football in Nebraska uh, at least opened up across the board. Week one, we had a couple week zero games the week before. Um, but we were out in full force, Husker Online, uh, between Greg Peterson, yourself, Robin Washett, Blake Arney, myself. We went to five games Thursday, Friday, um, which you know might be a record, honestly, in the years we've been working together that we could cover that many prospects. Because, number one, there's that many prospects to cover, which is not always the case. And, number two, we don't have Husker football to worry about, at, at least yeah. at this point. But – a lot to walk away. You know, you saw Kobe Bretts and A.J. Rollins on Thursday. You watched Thomas Fedoni on Friday. I saw Teddy Prochaska Thursday. Um, and then I was able to go out to Wood River to watch Heinrich Harburg play. So it was a very, very interesting opening weekend. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's been kind of nice being able to see so many legit Division One prospects, Husker commits. Um, you know, in the in the region, I think it first and foremost it speaks to the amount of talent in state wise, and and I'll throw Thomas Fedoni in there. I mean, he's basically basically consider him an in state guy. I mean, it's right right across the river there in Council Bluffs, but um, the amount of talent right now is is really impressive, and there's more coming up. So. Um, yeah, I was I was um, you know impressed by what I saw. You know, especially you know that Thursday night, being able to see Kobe Bretts um, again in person uh, was was a treat. I, I think he's going to be a really good football player uh, for Nebraska, and and um, and then AJ Rollins too. You know, he's somebody who continues to develop, and um, you know he's he's full of potential right now. But he's somebody who has taken some steps forward, and and I think that's that's definitely one thing that I wanted to see out of him. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Nate, I, I, I was really impressed with Harburg, um, just seeing him live in action. I was really impressed with Coach Rashawn Harvey, too. I mean, he does an excellent job mm-hmm. at the Class C1 level. I mean, they're going to have a chance to win C1. I know there's a number of teams kind of in contention, but Kearney Catholic looked like a team that could win C1. Uh, Harburg is as polished and poised of a quarterback at that level that I, that you're going to see. I mean, you just don't find guys with his size, his athletic ability. And, you know, he wasn't tested. Wood River was really undermanned. They were missing some key starters from COVID um, contact tracing type things. Um, but there were moments where Harburg really had to show things, and he made a couple nice deep throws. I thought one of the plays that jumped out to me on a third and ten he ran 11 yards, got a first down. I mean, just little things like that. Yeah. He, he took one sack. That was his only mistake the entire night. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's a heck of an athlete, first and foremost. And, and he's got a super strong arm. But, yeah, I know that, uh, you know, the decision-making and, and kind of knowing you're down in distance and, and things like that, um, you know, I, I, that's that's a part of his game that he's been working on and, and wanting to improve. And 
Uh, so that's encouraging to hear that that he was able to to do that, and they look so well. I mean, um, I was at the the West Side game when you guys were out there, and uh, it just the or, or wait, but that was Friday night. So I was at Thomas Fedoni's game Friday, and yeah. I kept seeing his stat line that you were tweeting out, and I was like, holy cow! Like he he started off like what six for six for like 180 yards or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, he was 12 of 13, I think around 174, four touchdowns, um, had a had a rushing touchdown in there. Uh, six of the seven drives he was in led to points. Yeah, um, he had touchdowns on all but one um, of those, and it was a field goal on the other. Uh, but it was like it was one of those games, and you've been to a lot of these games, Nate, where it was like twenty-eight nothing yeah. early first quarter. I mean, they they just piled on wood. I mean, it was it wasn't really a matchup, and um, but you know sometimes it's good to get a game like that because you can really you know get some nice highlights and and and, and a look at this kid. Um, you know, I, I did see Teddy play Thursday night. Um, you know, he's up to 300 and battled some cramping. Um, the way they use him is interesting because uh, they kind of run a platooning system. So he doesn't play 100% of the offensive snaps. He probably played about two-thirds of the offense and about half the defense. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think he battled a little cramping and conditioning at times. Um, but Elkhorn South was able to pull out the win. Um, but I think Teddy would tell you himself, you know, week one probably wasn't you know, his best performance, um, but his team was able to get the win. Yeah, I know. I think, you know, last year he started playing more and more defense. Um, so it doesn't necessarily surprise me that, that they're using him both ways, but still trying to be cautious with with how many snaps he's getting. Um, you know, I, I know when you were at that game um, – oh, no, wait. I was at I was at Fedoni's game. Prep, yeah, the oh, prep game Thursday night. Fedoni was, was uh, Friday night. Um, you know, and, and Fedoni was Fedoni. Um, you know, he they they had a blowout win against St. Albert, but you know, he he did not. It did not take long for him to to make his presence felt in that game. A third third snap from scrimmage, he had a forty one yard touchdown. Where you know he was actually lined up as a tight end the majority of the night. He was split out wide as a, as a receiver, but um, he lined up as a tight end and he came across the field, caught a cut a short pass, and then took it uh, took it to the house. Outran basically everybody on um, you know on their team and. And then gave a nice stiff arm as he was uh, heading into the the end zone and played outside linebacker on defense. He was, you know, he he was um, playing some special teams too. So he pretty much does everything for Lewis Central. Um, but he's he's a game changer, and and having that type of speed and athleticism on the field uh, is is <laughs> something that uh, Coach Camrad over there is is definitely fortunate that he's got a guy like that. And what about Brett? So you got to see him. You watched him last year, but mm-hmm. um, he's healthy. Anything really jump out in his game? Well, to me, it's how physical and how fast he is. I mean, he's he's somebody who is not afraid to to lay a hit on you. Um, he does not shy away from contact, which I love to see. Um, and he's fast. He he can get downhill in a hurry. Um, and there was a couple times where he saved potential you know touchdown runs by by creating prep and by tracking down guys from behind. Um, I, I wouldn't. What I would love to see is a, a foot race between him and Avante Dickerson, uh, because I, I think that it would be a pretty good race. Um, you know, I don't know. Dickerson might get him in a, in the forty, but if it were like a hundred yards um, or, or hundred meters, 
I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, that Brett's would be right there with him um, because he's a big, strong kid, 6'2", uh, to at least 6'2". He's, he's over 6'2 now and, and at least 200 pounds. Um, it was, I was really impressed with everything he brought to the table. And uh, for week one, it looked pretty good. When's the last time Dickerson's actually run a real 40? I mean, it's got to have been over a year. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's been a long time because he was at the Warren Showcase, um, you know, in, in Omaha, but he did not test out, didn't run, um, shoot. It might be when, two years. Yeah, it might be two years ago at uh, at the Friday Night Lights camp that Nebraska had. It's amazing that that data can carry you that far. Yeah. I mean, it, well, and yeah. he also ran a blazing forty at the um, St. Louis deal. at the St. Louis, uh, you know, that that super super mega camp, camp. mega camp. Yeah, that's right. So, and I think that is what, between the Friday Night Lights tests and then the, the information from the mega camp that got out, that's what really kind of put his name on the, on the map. Well, we'll get out and see uh, a few more guys. You're going to be in Sioux Falls, Nate, watching Randolph Kapai. It's mm-hmm. Kapai, right? Yep. And uh, he'll be playing Friday night. I'm going to go watch James Carney at Norris, um, who, you know, very well could be offered by Nebraska. It just depends on numbers and where things fall. So we're going to get a, a look at him and, uh, Robin's going to go out and watch Bellevue West where, you know, there's at least two Husker offer guys there already, um, you know, their targets. So once again, we'll have complete Friday night coverage here. No Thursday games going on uh, of note. So just Friday coverage here on the site. But make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 